search, the two Derby winners hit the wire together. Willie Collins is there, Bertrand Linson, a dramatic finish, and here is the wire, and it is Bertrand Linson there with Willie Collins in a photo. Easy goer with one final acceleration, and Sunday silence holds on. Flanders on the inside, on the outside, Serena Song giving their all. She got her nostril on the wire first. Tabasco Cat Pat Day trying to get him home. Concern will try to do it from last to first. And here's the wire. Concern from out of the clouds. Pilsudski at the bullet of Singspiel. Pilsudski takes the lead in the shadow of the wire. Pilsudski is the winner by a length. And it's Alphabet Soup. Sagan on the outside. Louis Couture's Alphabet Soup has scored. Shocking upset! Zenyatta, Zenyatta, Zenyatta is flying, flying, trying to hold on, flying, and Zenyatta, the lightning has won it ahead. But no, Golden Kova, a true champion, three Breeders' Cup wins, Olivia Pellier, the perfect ride, Golden Kova has won. Racing royalty, a Nabel and Frankie Dottori, the art winner is the Breeders' Cup turf winner too. It's now time for the 2022 Breeders' Cup Seminar, presented by the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Welcome to part two of our 2022 Breeders' Cup seminar. This year's Breeders' Cup will be held at uh, in our backyard at Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, Kentucky. If you tuned into our uh, part one of uh, the Breeders' Cup seminar for Friday's card, you'll see that uh, Alan Schneider, our co-host, tried to pick one horse in every race, but he tried to pick the same horse in every race. So that's hey, worth you know. tuning in. Huh? That's an exotic wager we need to see happen, right? I call it my own new exotic wager. I think uh, Rick Dutro tried to pull that off maybe about 15 years ago. He <laughs> ran a horse whatever, on whatever he, he ran a horse on a Saturday and a, and then came back and ran him the same horse again on a Sunday. Back as you know, Walter horse. Johnson back in in the 1900s, early 1900s, pitched both ends of a doubleheader, right? That's yeah. what a real man does. That's so exactly that's right. what I was trying to do. I don't know. I'm old and tired. I don't know. Well, Saturday is what they call the the Super Bowl of horse racing. Uh, the Breeders' Cup's been around now for 39 years, and it's uh, something uh, we we all look forward to, all horse players and horse lovers. And and uh, we we decided to bring on two of our friends to uh, to help us analyze this wonderful card, an exciting card of of championship horse racing. And of course, uh, uh, let's bring them on right now. Of course, Caitlin Free is with the. Uh, uh, with Churchill Downs, she's a paddock analyst. Uh, you can catch her uh, on the uh, simulcast feed. And, of course, she'll be doing Turf Valley Park this winter. And, uh, Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's going to be exciting to be back in Kentucky again this week, not only at Keeneland but at Churchill as well. And I'm just excited to be home. And, of course, uh, 
JJ Hysel, uh, formerly worked for the Courier Journal, and and she's a she's a big racing fan, and she she always drops a lot of knowledge on us. So JJ, how are you? Hey, doing all right, guys. Uh, looking very forward to this weekend. Saturday is my birthday, so if the racing Woo! gods could give Woo! me a gift, I would appreciate that. <laughs> Happy early birthday. We yeah. sincerely mean that, JJ. Yes. Absolutely. November the is that November the second, fourth. What is fifth. it? Fifth, right? Well, the fifth, yeah. Yeah. Well, c- congratulations. Another year, right? Every time you get another year, it's worth congratulating. I'm going backwards now. <laughs> Just like we're doing on this card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, guys, let's just throw some uh, random questions out there for you to answer. Uh, what is your favorite venue for the Breeders' Cup of all that, that they've had? You know, there's been Churchill and uh, Santa Anita, Keeneland now. Lone Star, uh, Hollywood Park, uh, Aqueduct, Arlington, uh, anybody anybody that prefers one over the other? I've only been to a couple of them. I think Keeneland is a little small to hold it. I love Keeneland. It's probably my favorite track on earth, but I'm excited to experience one someday at Churchill Downs. Didn't make it last time, but of the ones I've been to, my favorite has actually been Del Mar. Anybody else? Go ahead, JJ. I I would say I I hope that they would bring it back to Lone Star. I I kind of proposition that quite frequently in social media that they really need to bring it back to Lone Star. I I, I think that would be a, a very big event for them. There's a huge racing contingent there in that area. I as far as a wagering um, aspect, wagering for me, it's always been really good at Churchill uh, for me personally. I think from a, a fan and national perspective, uh, Del Mar gets a lot of, of looks and popularity for, for bringing new fans. Uh, people are really attracted to Del Mar for obvious reasons. So I, I think those three are, are great places. I think Keeneland has done a phenomenal job. Uh, and especially considering what they had to go through in 2020, which was totally off the wall. Um, they've just done a, a phenomenal job. Uh, this isn't going to be popular because people like to hate on it. I never give a damn. I, I like it at Churchill. Uh, Churchill's expansive. It's large. They know how to handle a big crowd. The racing's always good. The weather seems to be a nice blend for the Europeans and the, and the, uh, the American horses. I mean, I always, and I'm biased because I always go and it's at Churchill, but I think it's designed for the Breeders' Cup. Again, you probably get hate. People roll their eyes, but I don't give a damn. I, I'm going to vote for CD. And I would like to see it. Well, are you going to ask that in a moment, Cece, where you would like to see it at? Or Yes, actually, that's my next question. I'll wait then. I've got one for you. Yeah, well, my next question is, I mean, uh, of all the uh, the other venues in America, where would you like to see a future Breeders' Cup? Now, that unfortunately, that, that list is dwindling. Anybody, anybody step forward and just say, you well, know, if, 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 I've got two. Well, one specifically, but go ahead. I would like to reopen Bluegrass Downs down in Paducah, Kentucky, probably before probably before Caitlin's time on that little what four and a half furlong uh, bull ring that they used to have there and have it there. You know, I like to think outside the box. Do you remember or Bluegrass you... Downs, Caitlin? No. <laughs> says, I never went there because it's a six-hour drive. That'd be a tiny turf course. That'd be a tiny turf course, but obviously I'm joking and stuff. But I just thought I'd throw out throw out an old racetrack that a lot of people may not know. But now let the serious people take over. I'll throw one out. I, I think Hialeah would have been a, a, a fantastic spot. 
Well, or, it's off the, or, off the chain. So yeah, well, I mean, it still exists. You know, yeah. it, it, they could spend some, some money to fix the place up. Highly is just like is as large as any of the old time racetracks like church. You've got a big grandstand and, and that's another track that's probably built for a breeder's cup, but it has a big uh, dirt course and a, and a turf course. So I wish, uh, I wish they would spend the money to revitalize that place. I think I would like to see Gulfstream get it back. I yeah. don't care about the Pegasus. What's that got to do with anything? And, uh, the end of January, why can't they have it back? The weather's perfect down there. I've never been to Gulfstream. Could that handle a big crowd? Yes. For sure. Okay. Yes. It sits in a mall. It, it sits amidst an outdoor mall. It's it's kind of bizarre, but, yeah, it can handle it. it they've had it before. Yeah, they've had it before. Yeah, it's been a long It's probably been 20 years, maybe. It's been that long? Wow. I, I don't think they've ever had it since they, they redid the grandstand back. Gosh, it's been forever ago now. I can tell you when the last one was there. Let me look it up. You get Pete Iel on the mic. That'd be awesome. He is so underrated. So, so definitely underrated. And while we're asking, what, go ahead, JJ. Oh, I was just going to throw out, well, what about Tampa Bay Downs? I think Jason Bean would be all for that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you talk about weather, the weather permit. Tampa's one of my favorite cities on earth. And uh, it's a little bit of a sandy surface, so maybe not a horseman may not like it. It's a little bit deep. But the turf course is in great shape. I mean, I think it'd be, they might need a little bit of a paint job there. It's got that turfway green look to it the last time I was down that way. But uh, I'd be all for it. Last Breeders' Cup at Gulfstream Park was 1999, and they previously hosted it in 1992 and 1989. Wasn't that Cat Thief? When, was Cat Thief? Yeah, Cat Thief. Yeah, that the was class. Cat Thief. I did not have Cat Thief. Did you, you know, again, it's probably before your time. Caitlin, but you probably would have had some money on Cat Thief, wouldn't you? I mean, given the name, name now. <laughs> uh, what about having it overseas? I mean, uh, it, it's an American thing, but would, would you think yeah. that would ever happen? No. Unless it would be Japan, then probably not. I think if you're a breeder or a stallion owner and you've got to spend all these fees to, to get your foals nominated, I, I just don't think that would go over very well. If you know, because a lot of the, the Americans aren't going to ship overseas at this point, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think so either. But they seem to get the NFL over in Europe and stuff. So I was just curious. I thought, I thought there was talk about it and such, but it'd be well, fun it, to watch. You'd have to run it at a, at a weird hour because they're you know if you, I mean obviously you want that on prime time. You you want our betters to be able to. I mean that's a big deal as far as wagering. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it'd be received very well. Just a thought. I thought Caitlin would be all for that if she got to go and be an analyst. But uh... let's dig into this card. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I think this is going to be a great card. A little bit of everything. I want to start backwards. We're going to start with the classic and work our way backwards. Uh, we're going to have these big races fresh in our minds. I think and and uh, feel free to uh, feel free to. Uh, expound on any opinions so uh the classic of course is all about flight line he's three to five on the morning line this is uh this is the horse that made us all think of secretariat when he won the pacific classic back in august and he's undefeated and he's he's run figures faster than anything in here maybe faster than anything combined in here it feels like but uh, uh caitlin we're gonna start with you give us your opinion Let's say you're you're a better 
and you, you come down the last race, you would would you rather single the flight line or would you rather spread in this race and try to beat flight line? What's what's what say you about this? Really, my plan going into Saturday is to really expand on some of the other races, maybe find another single in that pick five or pick six sequence, but I'm going to center everything around flight line. I just think that 99 out of 100 times, maybe even 100 out of 100 times, this horse wins this race. I think Flavian Pratt just needs to hang on, and they're going to blow this field away. I mean, this horse has done everything asked of him. He's not super sound, but he's training phenomenal, and I mean, he just, I started watching racing about 12 years ago, and this is the best horse I've seen, and I was really excited about American Pharaoh, Arrogate, Gunrunner, but he's better than all of them combined, I think, and who he really reminds me of is Ghost Sapper, and I expect him to run a race like Ghost Sapper did in the Classic, and I think it's going to be a time like Ghost Sapper. I think you could potentially see, you know, the stakes record in this race fall, Um I'm just really excited to see what type of a show this horse is going to put on. And I mean, I know so many of us are already inaugurating him as the winner and they have to run the race because, you know, something could potentially happen. But I, I think this horse out of all the favorites out of all 14 races, this is the most likely winner bar none. All right. That's uh well, it's easy enough. Let's go to JJ. <laughs> Yeah, he's the master of ceremonies. That, that's the light line. Uh, it, it's going to be a, re- a real treat for the fans to see this uh, once-in-a-lifetime athlete on the big stage. I, I think the only concern going into the race was how would he ship to Keeneland. Um, I know he, he shipped previously for them at Mile, but he's coming here to a totally different atmosphere and actually different weather. Uh, we, we've had some cold spells here since he arrived, and that was really the only thing I think people were worried about. Would he handle the Keeneland surface? How would he adjust? Uh, since, since he's arrived, uh, he's handled it with a plum. I tell you, when he came off that van, uh, he held that, that long, elongated neck of his so high and he looked around like, this is my kingdom. I am here. It, it, it was just, his presence is, is just, it's amazing. The intelligence level. And I would say, I'm not comparing him race wise, but mentally and intelligence wise, he reminds me significantly of California Crow. California Chrome had the same mentality where nothing bothered him. He, he came to the Derby. He got off and looked around like, yes, it's me. Everybody come look. And he has that same mentality where nothing rattles him. Nothing bothers him. And then he got on the track and he just started galloping. The gallops that he has over this track, just the, the powerful force and the focus. It, it, it's just like watching a machine. Uh, I thought his work was good, but I'm actually more impressed with his gallops. It, he just looks so amazing in those gallops. So all the questions have been answered. There's no reason to doubt that that he's going to lose this race. It would take a very, very off day, a very sad break, for or something to go really wrong at the break, not to get his position. Otherwise, there's no reason to think he won't win. Um, there's one horse that I will have on my tickets. I'm, I'm very distressed about the draw though. I, I really liked Taba in this race. I thought if there was any kind of hiccup, you know, you prepare just in case. I thought Taba is a very underrated horse. I think he really showed his brilliance in the Santa Anita Derby. He got undervalued because of what happened in the Kentucky Derby, but I think he is a brilliant horse. I really do. 
And I thought if something were to happen where he missed flatline misses the break, I think Tabo was the one to win. I don't like that rail draw though. I, I think that that is that is going to be tough for him because he, he's he's not a, he's a he's a fairly big horse. I don't know if he's going to like that that situation there. And then it was interesting that Rich Strike drew the outside. He's exactly where they want him to be to be in that closing position. And I think all of the Rich Strike fans are going to be. Uh, rooting for him. I think it would be great just to see Rich Strike rally late. Do I think he can catch flight line? I don't think he can, but I, I think the fans would enjoy seeing him make that late rally. Uh, the question is, what is going to happen with Life is Good? Is Life is Good going to just go to the lead and try to, to go all the way and hold off flight line? I mean, can you see that happening? Will Can Life is Good hold off flight line? That, I, I just don't know what Life is Good strategy, best strategy is here when you're going up against flight line? That's the big question. I don't question the distance for life is good. I just don't know what kind of tactics you could use when you're a front-running horse and you're facing flight line. I I agree with so much that she's saying. You think of life is good trying to go with flight line. You also got Hot Rod Charlie and Epicenter that could potentially be front-running horses in this race. And when I think about horses drawn well in this race and potentially the setup of the pace, I think Rich Strike has every opportunity to run a really, really good race in here. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that piss people off if Rich Man, Strike? I, I hope they I hope him and Flightline go one, two. I would just I mean that would just great that would awesome for your cup classic of all time. I get so I mean if, if anybody's ever listened to me, I get so sick and tired of the, the Rich Strike bash and it's like, oh my God. The horse is in the Breeders' Cup Classic and he theoretically has a chance to get in the money in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit, isn't he? And he won the right. Kentucky Derby. And the the pace may set up, I mean, for him to get a piece of it, right? If Flightline buries buries the horses up front, then yeah, someone's got to pick up the pieces. Um I will throw a little bit of a I won't throw a bucket of water on the flight line coronation. I may throw like a teaspoon of water real quick. One question mark that I do have a little bit, and it's probably off or not, but at at three to ten, you do have to ask yourself these things. Flightline has yet to beat a really good horse. I mean, I, I think that's fair to say. He did wow out in California last time, but those were not great grade one animals. This is a field full of complete grade one animals. It's not that he's facing one or two. He is facing a large cast of very good animals, Epicenter, Hot Rod, Charlie, uh, Taba, uh, Olympiad. These are these are great one animals. So does it mean anything? Probably not. But he will have to beat by far and away the biggest number of good horses, right, in this spot. And you have to ask yourself, am I willing to take that at 3 to 10? Do I still think he wins? Yeah, of course I do. One horse that I don't think anybody mentioned that I'm getting more and more intrigued about it the more I think about it is Olympiad. My concern with Olympiad is that he likes to get into his spot every time. I don't know if he'll be able to get that spot with the way the pace, because I think life is good is going to send. If, if Olympiad could get that second or third spot and behind a 47, the horse doesn't stop outside of one one bad race. I mean, he gets stronger as the race goes on. He runs evenly. I could see him chasing flight line home, perhaps, if he's able to not go too fast early. I saw he was 10 to 1 in the morning line. I would thought he might be 15, 18 to 1. He might be a bit of a forgotten horse, but I'd give Olympiad a little bit of a look, but you know, I'm, it's, it's Flightline's race to lose. The moment of truth, the, the one moment I'm looking forward to on Breeders' Cup Saturday more than anything else is when around the far turn when the Flightline hooks up with life is good. 
because that's that's what I've been waiting for 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 weeks now. What I happens? Want see, I want to see what happens. Is life is good? Fight back. Does, does he put the, him away? Does he break life is good, or does life is good just keep going? Right. I, I just don't see those two coexisting. I think you know one of them's got to give. I I just don't see them going ten furlongs, and and one of those two lasting. And I think life is good is obviously the candidate to to, to fade. If you're a contrarian, that's what you got to hope for is is those two hook up in a, like a one oh nine and three, uh, maybe a one thirty four mile, and then they just wilt in the final furlong and somebody comes up and picks them up late. And, you know, maybe somebody like a Tava. Or, or even a rich strike. Rich strike ran the one of the best thoroughgraph numbers of any uh, in in the uh, Lucas Classic. That, that, that horse, was, uh, that would he's be got so talent. Awesome. He's, he's for real. He is absolutely one hundred percent for real. It's just a matter Look, of uh, he gets a setup here. So does everybody believe Flightline wins? I mean, yeah. I'm on the fence of whether I'm going to bet him, but do you believe Flightline wins? I know JJ, you two believe Flightline wins, right? Yes. CC. I mean, it, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so cold exact to give me a cold exact then. Flight line over Taba. Caitlin? Yeah. JJ agrees. Um, I'm going to say either flight line over Hot Rod Charlie or flight line over Rich Strike. And Okay, so uh, Caitlin's already answered my next question. I believe there's eight horses in the race. Does Rich Strike hit the Superfecta? I'm going to say yes. JJ? I, yeah, I, I think it's very possible he could, he could hit the Superfecta. Yeah, CC may set up for him. This you race see. is so tough. He could run a big race and finish fifth, though. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's, that's true. That kind of goes back to what Caitlin was saying, the, the rich strike bashing. If this horse runs fifth in the Breeders' Cup Classic against some generational a generational horse and some legit grade one animals, that's a hell of a race. You know, so, I mean, he may run last, but then, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's to be in this in this starting gate when everyone theoretically has a shot to get into the trial super, I think that says something about the quality of the field. I, does this rival the uh, 1998 Breeders' Cup Classic? Ooh, that's a good question. I was there, we were there that day, and it was a thrilling race. There was it no does. flight line in there, though, right? There, there was no that's flight line. True. There was not. It was probably better overall, the quality of the field. But I mean, there was not a flight line in there. But I mean, you had oh, that was Skipway was in there, and the Skipway even didn't you hit the board, did he? No. Uh, yeah. So I mean, and. Uh, Silver, so Charm. Silver Charm, Silver Charm was in there, and uh, Victor Gallup was in there. It was, a, yeah. Yeah, it was an unbelievable race. I'd give the nod to the to the. What about you, JJ? I'd give the nod to that one, but barely. Yeah, I agree. That, but there, you think about it, there's so many. I mean, there's there's just so many where there were, there were there were legendary you know uh, battles. There's been so many, but I I think this 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 whole. Breeders' Cup to me, and and I'm going on a slight tangent here, but the, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter. People have got buzz about the Breeders' Cup, and I don't know what it's like outside of Kentucky, but I know in Kentucky there has been significant buzz about this Breeders' Cup because you have this, you have Flightline, you have Nest, uh, you have a great distaff, uh, one of the best distaffs coming up. You have uh, Lava, Lava Man is making his final appearance before he goes to Old Trafalgar. Um, you have Cave Rock, who, who you know everybody's looking forward to. I, I just think the his, the level of possibilities of, of this being a historic Breeders' Cup is 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 very likely. I, I think we can have a very historic Breeders' Cup for for many of these races. That's a great point. Great point. That's there's Golden Pal going for another one. Yeah, there's a lot of good storyline. Tyler's Tribe. Uh, it's a great point. 
Okay, let's uh, keep moving along here. we got a long way to go and a lot of good races to cover. And the next race we're going to talk about is the Breeders' Cup Turf, mile and a half on the Keeneland grass. And I thought Rebels Romance was the horse coming in to beat. He's been made the three-to-one morning line favorite. But I think Appleby, uh, trainer Charlie Appleby, kind of uh, uh, changed, may have swayed my opinion a little bit. He's, he's put William Buick aboard the three-year-old Nation's Pride, and James Doyle is on uh, Rebels Romance. I would I would think, and Caitlin can, can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, William Buick gets the first call on the Godolphin horses for Appleby. Is that right? Yeah, he kind of explained it a little bit. He said that Nation's Pride maybe needs a little bit more guiding and maybe a bit of a stronger hand. So I think that's why William Buick actually ends up on that horse. That was kind of the way I understood it. Um, I think they're about dead set even when it comes to chances. And we know Charlie Appleby is no slouch when it comes to bringing horses over here. So, yeah, I don't really like three-year-olds in this spot. but uh, I don't Appleby- either. Yeah, but he won the race last year with Ybir, who mm-hmm. was a three-year-old. So, and it, you know, I, he he was quoted saying he thought Nation's Pride would be the favorite. So, you know, I don't know, Caitlin. Why don't you uh, why don't you analyze this race and give us a winner? It's kind of tough for me. I mean, I think Rebels Run and Nation's Pride both have very good chances in this race. Um, I've not really been super impressed with what they've beaten. Rebels Romance has won his big races this year over in Germany. Nation's Pride has beat up on some of our three-year-old turf horses here. So they've kind of ducked some of the best competition, you know, the world has to offer in their respective divisions. Um, I'm going to go with Mishriff in this spot to cash, to cap off his career with a huge win. He's not as good as what he used to be, but he is good enough to me to beat this group, if that makes sense. He gets an old rider, Frankie DeTore, back up. Frankie knows him very well. He's beaten him multiple times as well. So he knows this course. Um, I'm really interested in Mishriff. Um, and really for the U.S. hopes, I think Warlike Goddess stands tall above everybody else from the United States. So those are the two horses I'm most interested in. And I would probably side with Rebels Romance when it comes to the Applebee horses, but uh, Mishriff for me. Uh, can I ask, uh, make one comment real quick? What is Mishriff in the morning line? Six to one. Have you ever gotten six to one on a horse that's earned $15 million in his career? <laughs> Cannot say I have, although he, yeah, I think he was maybe 10 to one, eight to one in uh, the arc. He didn't really run his race in there, but I don't think he got the ground he wants. I think he wants a little bit of a quicker, firmer surface. Um, I think he's kind of, kind of get something in the middle. It's definitely going to be drier, but Keeneland's never like rock hard, firm, firm ground. So, I think he's going to get a surface that he really, really likes. And I think Keeneland is really a good, going to be a really good track for him based on his running style. Yeah. 15 million in this country, but I just, mm-hmm. you look at that number, it's just, it's just mind boggling. So six to one, I like to pick. Any concern that he's over the top? There is a little bit of concern that he is over the top, but even if he's maybe on his B game, I still think he's better than Nation's Pride and Rebels Romance. Yeah, Appleby has has quite the hand here. Um, I I saw a video of of Rebels Romance arrival who's coming off the van. Uh, just just looks an absolute splendor. It looks extremely fit. Uh, it's difficult to find a knock against him. I mean, the, the four straight wins, uh, be, beating the classy foes. Uh, he's a distance runner who who just looks the part and. 
you just, the only concern maybe is how will he adjust to the course? You know, you have to think about that. But uh, of the two contenders, though, I, I do prefer Nation's Pride, actually, uh, of the two. Uh, I do like his, his U.S. experience. I, I think he should have been three for three. He, he had a terrible time in that Belmont Derby. With, he had a terrible start, and he, he had a lot of traffic trouble, and he still rallied, managed to rally for second in that race. Uh, I, I think the experience here and being here benefits Nation's Pride. So I, I, I choose him over Rebels Romance, but Rebels Romance is obviously really well prepared for this race and, and has a legitimate chance to win. I 100% agree about Mishrif with uh, Frankie Dottori aboard. I, I know he did not like the going in the arc. Uh, some would say, oh, he's been off form and so forth. But this is a classy horse. Uh, there's, there's no reason to think he could not win this race. Uh, I, you know, he's a little bit on the outside in the 11 hole, but I don't think that that's any concern at all. I, so I like Mishrif. Um, a lot of fans are, are talking about warlike goddess here, uh, going, going against, against the males. Uh, the decision made because this was her preferred distance. I agree with that decision. I think it's the right decision. This is obviously her forte. Uh, she likes this course. Uh, I think if she can get a clean path, I think she's a legitimate chance to hit the board. Uh, can she beat this caliber of male rivals? That's, you know, that, that's a big question. I, I don't know about that. But, uh, but I do think if she, if she got a good trip, she could hit the board here. And I, I think she's interesting, uh, coming out of the two spot, but she's probably going to take a lot of money. All right. Well, perfect synopsis by both of you. I, I, I would throw in a price, possibly a channel maker, 30 to one on the morning line. He's, he ran four, he's ran five times. Did you just groan? You grown at me? I didn't channel maker. I mean, I mean, he might run well, but I mean, is start number one hundred and forty three? I think for channel maker, is that right? No, I know he runs a big one once in a while, but I just, I've just never been a fan of the horse. I know he's burned me before, but I get you. I get your point. I'll let you continue on. Well, he doesn't have to win. I just need him to uh, hit the board. Uh, he's he's run five times at Keeneland, one win, one second, one third on Thoroughgraph. He actually he's he's had a bad. Uh, but he did win. He he won the Elkhorn right at uh, at Keeneland back in April. He's kind of off form a little bit, but he did he did run a, a nice number in the Sycamore a few weeks ago. So I I would not leave him off your tickets underneath. Uh, but yeah, I'm solely with Godolphin. Uh, Alan, you want to chime in? Just the way I played this race, the way I played it last year is the year. I, I actually think this is kind of a weak field. For the Breeders' Cup turf, I think the I don't think it's the strongest contingent of Euros, and I think there's like you know the three main ones are the ones to beat: Mishrif, Rebels, Romance, and Nations Pride. If you want to count Nations Pride as a Euro still, and then so and then Warlike Goddess is your is your super effective trifecta key horse. Uh, the horse is going to run a big race. Should beat should beat the Americans for the most part. It, it can he beat the top? She beat the top Euros. I doubt it. Last year the same thing happened. Uh, she ran a big race, but she also got passed down the stretch, which kind of shows you the class aspect, the difference in the class aspect. When a closer such as uh, Warlike Goddess gets passed by another horse, gets passed by the horse, she shows you the class. So the class on a global scale says the winner comes elsewhere, but that Warlike Goddess is your most likely horse to get the exotics. So that's how I'll be playing the race with Warlike Goddess underneath. And I would say maybe Masterpiece has a shot at a price, but I mean, I just don't think the American contingent's that strong. So. That that's the way I would approach it. All right, good enough. Let's go on to the Breeders' Cup Distaff. If if Flight Line is the main draw on this card, I think uh, the Distaff is a close second. You're going to have 
the Alabama winner Nest and the Belmont Stakes runner-up Nest is going to face off against her stablemate Malathot. And uh, there's several others in here. You've got the Kentucky Oaks winner Secret Oath. And it's a very interesting race. Uh, JJ, we'll go to you. Uh, is it is it Nest uh, or, or is it something else in here? Yeah, I think everyone's looking for an answer to Nest. How do you beat Nest? <laughs> but uh, Nest and Malathat are are the queens of this court, I think. And Nest has been absolutely brilliant of late, uh, going back to that remarkable runner-up finish in the Belmont. No one's really gotten to her since. And and what's even more impressive is that is she's looked fantastic training at Keeneland uh, so far leading up to the race. Uh, she looks ready to roll. And I, I actually think she's one of the most talented fillies we've seen in a long time. And I, I can't go against Nest in this spot. I, I just don't see anyone. She's at the top of her game, and I don't see anyone anyone beating her. I, I don't think the rail draw is, is a concern for Malathat, obviously. Uh, she's very professional. Uh, she and Clarier, they, they've had quite a little rivalry growing. And, and Clarier, she had a she had an excuse, I think, in the personal instant when she, she hit her head on the gate, and then she cut her tongue. And you could tell in that race that she was completely off. She was totally disinterested. And uh, I think you just draw a line through that. She's, she's looked great at Keeneland. She appears to really like this surface. And she's, she's gotten over whatever whatever was ailing her in that race. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how well she does. Search results is, is a talented, consistent filly. But she just can't seem to get past Clarier and Malathat. So I think she's just one ladder rung below them. And then I think Society is a really talented filly as well and is a, a future star. She's one to watch, the, the, the daughter of Gunrunner. She's, she's one for the future. But uh, I, I can't go against Nest. As, as, as I know she's going to take a lot of money, and it's, it's not going to be a big price, but she, she just looks too good to go against here. Okay, Society is the one I'm leaning toward. I think uh, just harkening back to the 2020 Breeders' Cup, uh, that, that – that, Dirt course was uh, really speed favoring, and society is probably going to be on the lead. She's going to get the rail, so uh, that's that's going to be my selection. But Caitlin, let's go to you. Uh, uh, are you on board with the Nest Train, or is there somebody else? I'm actually going to end up going with Malathot in here. I think the rail draw really doesn't bother me. Um, I think she's won from the rail before. I'm pretty sure, and she and Nest remind me so much of each other. They like the same distances. They have the same type of running style. I really think that they're very, very similar. I just give the edge to Malathot based off age and experience. Um, I think she likes Keelan maybe a little bit more than Ness does. They both love this track, but Malathot's unbeaten on this track. She's just a different horse at Keeneland. So I, I really, really like her in the spot, but I absolutely respect Ness. I think it's got to be one of these two. Um, I don't think anybody else is quite there yet. At their level, Clarier, maybe, but I've, I I think she just got to Malathot, you know, when she was a little bit more unprepared earlier on, and they threw the blinkers on her, they've been training her harder. She's back to her old self. One that I really want to consider underneath is Blue Stripe. She's really impressed me a lot out in California. I think she's getting significantly better. Um, younger sister to Blue Prize, who won this race a few years ago, and she reminds me a lot of her sister. So she's one I would maybe – give a look to at the morning line of 20 to one, but I, I think I'm going to side with Malathot in here. You know, uh, Ed DeRosa, to his credit, came up with one of the better stats I've seen today. Uh, going back to 2014 in two turn dirt races in the Breeders' Cup, 
horses who've had the lead at the first call have won 16 of 40 races. That's a pretty impressive stat. I say this in anticipation of society. I don't think society's going to win despite that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty really good stat. I just don't think society is ready yet to beat two horses that the, the caliber of Ness, Malathot, and even Clarier. I think the horse will hold on for a while. We're going to get an easy lead, but you just mm-hmm. cannot diminish what Ness has accomplished this year. It's, she is just, I mean, just destroyed horses and, People make the case about Flightline being a generational horse. I can make the case that Nest in time, out throughout that Kentucky Oaks, Nest could be a generational horse as well, too. I think Malathot, Malathot loves Keeneland. The way she strides out at Keeneland is, is second to none. She's a different, she's a really good horse. She's a different horse at Keeneland. It's those two to me. I think they stand out. I think it's a really good distaff field, but I'm, I'm not going against the top two. Give me Nest over Malathot and one of the most boring cold exactors you're ever going to hear okay let's turn the page let's go to the breeders cup turf mile one mile on the keeneland turf horse and the favorite is more modern games the winner of the juvenile turf last year when he was scratched and then allowed back into the race is something you'll not see very much at the racetrack but that's how it happened modern games comes in off a loss last time and prior to that though he won the uh Woodbine Mile, impressively. So, Caitlin, we'll start with you. We, we got modern games. He drew well. But uh, this race is very, very, very contentious. What are your I'm, thoughts? I'm all about modern games in here. The loss last time, you know, didn't really bother me. He didn't even need to go in that race. But uh, Charlie Appleby thought he needed another run. Uh, he was not full out in that race by any means, you know, any stretch of the imagination. So I think he's going to be really, really well prepared coming into this race. Um, I don't think he, I think the only horse that can maybe stand in his way would be Ken Ross. Cause I think a lot of Ken Ross as well, especially with Frankie to Tory up. Um, but Ken Ross, this is the third race in, I believe 30 days. He's won two group ones. So this would be his, you know, attempt at a third group one in 30 days. Um, that's a lot especially traveling, you know, all across the world. If anybody can do it, it would be him. But I think those two are cut above the rest here in this race. Dream Loper is a really, really nice horse as well that I would not discount coming in from Great Britain. It's all about the Euros in here for me. Pogo's another one that you could use underneath. But when it comes to U.S. contingent, I mean, probably Ivar and Smooth Like Straight would be the ones I would want to use underneath. But uh, modern games for me on top, and if not modern games, then Ken Ross. Okay, JJ, is it all Euros for you, or, or is there somebody else to, to look at? I, I like the Euros, and there's one uh, U.S.-based horse that I think could could really upset the apple cart. I, I love the return of, I call him the notorious MG, uh, modern games because of the, the whole scratch fiasco. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that, that really overshadowed, it's really sad, because that overshadowed what was such a, a spectacular win for, mm-hmm. for modern games. And he has really developed into into really a tremendous horse. I mean, his, his win in the Wood by Mile was just spectacular. And, of course, Bayside Boy isn't, isn't, isn't coming to the race, so we don't have to worry about him. Uh, the only kryptonite would be if we get a lot of rain, but that's not to be expected. Uh, the forecast so far is dry. So I, I, I agree that, that modern games, I think, will be very tough to beat here. Ken Ross, uh, he, he drew wide, but I don't really think that's a concern. He's coming in on four straight wins. Um, he's stretching out a bit. Uh, he's used to, to more of a sprinting type uh, a race scenario, but I, I don't think an extra furlong is really going to hurt a horse like Ken Ross. 
So I, I can see I can see the appeal of Ken Ross. Um, poor, poor domestic spending uh, coming off his big layoff during the post-14 uh, is going to have to overcome one of the biggest layoffs ever and the post-14. Um, I, I, I can understand why they put him in this race because he is training phenomenally. I mean, he, he put Virginia Joy, who's, who's a very good horse, to, to shame in, in the workouts. But I, I, don't, I don't see domestic spending winning this race. The, the, the horse that I have my eye out for is Annapolis. Uh, just, just a very consistent son of war front. Uh, he's never been worse than second in his career. He's, he lived up to the challenge of beating older. There's a whole lot to like about Annapolis with the Rad Ortiz coming out of the, uh, coming out of the 11 post. I just, I think that Annapolis could upset the apple cart here. If, if modern games is for some reason off, off of his game, so to speak, I, I think that's one to watch and I will definitely have him in my exotic. I think you could draw some parallels between Annapolis and Lure. Lure came along during his uh, three-year-old campaign and uh, and really blossomed this time of the year when he went on to win the Breeders' Cup Mile. I think his horse is kind of along the same lines as, as that one. So, you know, very interesting uh, takes here. Uh, Alan, you got anything you want to add? Well, I would like to add, and I hope everybody's enjoyed listening to my fire alarm as if the battery has died and it's been beeping pro- a little bit. The people at home haven't heard much because I've been on mute. But these poor, these three other poor people have had to listen to it quite a bit. But uh, so when you hear that beep, just so everybody knows, that is me. But I'm not going to fix it in the middle of this. So that's my little uh, aside for the moment. And my second aside is I'm going to ask Cece real quick. What did Regal Glory uh, get into the race? Yes, he's in the eight hole, six to one. <laughs> Only six to one. Well, that kind of pisses me off. <laughs> because that was my bomb of the day. I thought I might get 15 to 1 on Regal Glory. I do believe Modern Games is the one to beat, don't get me wrong, but uh, I've been waiting all year for Regal Glory to get back to a mile. And I think Chad Brown has been playing coy most of the year, where he enters two horses in a race and he lets his lesser horse win and uses the other race, the, the, his more accomplished horse, as it's a prep. I think he did it at Keeneland recently. I think he's done it with Regal Glory in the past. This horse was really, really good early in the year. She's got to beat the boys. I'm hoping the price drifts up, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I thought I was going to call a shot with Regal Glory, but, uh, it's a tall ask. I don't know if I want six to one on such a tall ask, but I do think Chad Brown's played a few games this year and it's always been his other horse that's won while he's prepped the, the bigger named horse. And this horse is best at a mile, mile to 16th, and we may see her best. Fire her best shot here. So give me Regal Glory and, and, a, and a price I'd like to have a much bigger price on. Okay, so we're all over the board in the mile. I, a lot of people a, always are, always are. Yeah, I, I, I'd add another horse in, into the mix. I think Ivar has a shot. Well, I think uh, maybe a ground-saving trip and, and, you know, with a little luck, he might be able to uh, spring a surprise here. I, I've always liked that horse. But uh, let's go on to the Breeders' Cup sprint. This horse or this race lost some luster today when jack christopher was declared and it looks like uh it's left lone speed to jackie's warrior who's four to five on the morning line for joel rosario steve asmussen jackie's warrior is uh i mean he's uh what can you say about him he's he's always for the most part he's consistent uh he does have some chinks in his armor though he finished uh off the board in his both of his breeders cup tries uh in the juvenile in last year's sprint. So, uh, JJ, we'll start with you. Jackie's warrior, is he uh, vulnerable or is he a cinch? 
Yeah, I, I think the the sudden defection of Jack Christopher, that, that really changed the shape of this race. Uh, we were looking forward to a Jack versus Jackie showdown. Uh, that, now, it leaves Jackie's Warrior the one to beat, and I think this field, it's, it's really hard to find somebody who I think matches up with him. I don't see too many in here who I think have the ability to topple the Warrior. I, I like American Theorem. I think he's really come into his own lately. Um, he had that breakthrough race in the triple bend. I, I didn't expect Kamari uh, to to run here. I, I thought she was going to go in the, the Philly and Mare sprint. I think it's interesting that, that Kamari is in here, and I, I think I need to take a closer look at her in this role. Uh, she drew the post two at a four to one odds. So uh, I think she's interesting, but I, I don't really see anyone else in the field besides maybe American Theorem, who if, if Jackie's Warrior had a very off day, uh, could, could come up, but I, I think Jackie's Warrior has a very good chance to finally get his Breeders' Cup win and go out in style as a winner. Well, speaking of Kamari, uh, I was shocked when I looked at her third graph and her. She's run uh, negative, I think negative three and a half twice, which puts her on par with Jackie's Warrior. It, it put her on par with Jack Christopher, and uh, you know I, I, I was hoping that she would go in this spot. But I don't like the draw. She draws the two hole, and that's that's no good at Keenan when you're sprinting. So I don't know what to do now. But uh, Caitlin, we'll, we'll go to you. Maybe you can uh, enlighten us. Uh, Jackie's warrior, I think. You know, especially with the scratch of Jack Christopher, if he loses this race, I'm, I'm just going to be really upset because he has. You know, he should run backwards and win this race. You know, barring Kamari, who I am also very very interested in. Should something go wrong with Jackie's warrior, I think she's the most likely. Next winner. I think Aloha West has just had too many issues this year. Elite Power, it's maybe coming up too soon. Manny Wall, he loves Keeneland. I can see him maybe running third or fourth at a price. But, I mean, other than that, there's really nobody in here else that interests me. I was leaning toward taking Jackie's Warrior over Jack Christopher um, when he was still in the race as of this morning. But I just... Something's really going to have to go wrong here for Jackie's Warrior to get beat. And I'm willing to excuse him losing in this race last year because the horse ended up having a knee chip as a result of this race. So I don't understand why people make fun of him and say, oh, well, Jackie's warrior was terrible in the Breeders' Cup last year. The horse got injured, did surgery. So, I mean, as long as he is clean and runs his race, he should trounce this field. You know, I think Kamari is the only one that can give him a run for his money. So, I mean, those two in a super boring ice cold exacto for me. You know, you know, Cece, I've been waiting to play against Jackie's Warrior forever. I, I, I wish the race had come up tougher. I, and I don't want to pick Jackie's Warrior by default because I look back at his race the last six, seven races and I ask, has he beat a good horse yet? Has this horse beat a good horse in the last? I mean, he beat, he beat life as good last year. Has he beat a good horse since? Um, he's going to get the lead by himself. Yeah. But I, that, that actually makes me think that actually he's going to help Kamari because Kamari from the two hole. Is going to get out. Should be able to get out and sit off of Jackie's Warrior. I would think because of the lack of speed in here. So I'm I'm on Kamari to go by Jackie's Warrior in the lane. Uh, there was really I mean not only Jackie's Warrior went seven furlongs last time at Saratoga, um, but he did he got run down on the square by Cody's Wish, who's a pure seven furlong horse. It, Jackie's Warrior is going to be three or four to five. I like Kamari more at four to one. I'm. I think Kamari went here because I think it's an easier race than the Philly and Mare Sprint is one of the reasons he ended up here. So, I mean, 
Hell, he could run second to Jackie's Warrior and uh, SHG. Give, give me Kamari, and I'm against Jackie's Warrior here. I'm one of the few people, and I know it's probably silly, but this game's about gambling. So, so I, I just pulled up the stats, the post-position stats off the Keeneland website. This makes me feel a little bit better about Kamari's chances. I, for races under one mile on the main track, the one hole is five out of 78. That's 6.41%. Then you go to the two hole, and it's 11 out of 78. So you, you, it's almost more than double the winners. You get 14% from the two holes. So that makes Which is cool. actually pretty good, right? If you think about it, That's most races are 10 horses. That means you would win one in every 10 races, the two holes at 14%. And then you have to factor in the pace when you're thinking of post position draws and stuff. And Kamari can get out second or third and get over really quick. Just well, a thought. she's sandwiched on the inside by Manny Wah and on the outside by Obesos. So we're going to drop back. Right. And then, you know, depending on what American theorem, then outside of American theorem is Aloha West. So, so three of the inside five will drop back early and hopefully Kamari can work out a trip there. So I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, uh, on the fly here, I would pick Kamari to, to win the Breeders' Cup sprint over Jackie's Warrior, but I would but not. But that's taking not. nothing, nothing against Jackie's Warrior. Jackie's Warrior's had a tremendous career, 12 for 17, but I just think, you know, Kamari feels like Kamari's been running forever. But uh, in really good form right now, too. So, Talk about running forever. Guys, how long has CZ Rocket – I feel like I was watching CZ Rocket in the Breeders' Cup when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> I agree. I thought he was retired. When they threw his name in the draw, I'm like, oh, what the hell? Where did that come from? Let's see. Let's see how old is CZ Rocket. He's eight years old, I think. Is he the oldest horse in the Breeders' Cup? I think there's somebody older. Channel Maker is eight or nine. I think Channel Maker's 24. I think Channel Maker's eligible to drink and enlist in the war. So Channel Maker's had a lot of starts. Maybe it just seems that way. But CZ Rockets had 34, so not as many as I thought. had more, I think. Yeah. I want to say he's near 50. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I don't think I've bet him at any 50. 49th start. I don't think I've ever bet him in any of his 50 races either, which means I've lost a few times. <laughs> Okay, let's go to the Philly and Mare Turf. Another fun race. Five to two on Nashua. Maybe somewhat surprising, but uh, she draws the three hole in Italian from the Chad Brown Barn, draws the 11 hole, seven to two. This is a mile and three sixteenths on the grass. That's a little different from what uh, we normally get with this uh, race. Caitlin, let's go to you. Nashua at five to two, is that deserving? I think it is because I think she is a different horse on a firmer turf course, which she's definitely going to get. And I think Keeneland's going to suit her really, really, really well. She's run races against above the curve and Tuesday, but I think they want a little bit more of a cut in the ground. And Tuesday's kind of maybe slightly fallen off form, whereas Nashua, I think, has gotten better form. She ran a really incredible race, race last time out to get beat by a 41 to one shot on incredibly soft turf, which makes me think, you know, she's going to even more appreciate this firm going here at Keeneland. So I've been really looking forward to her coming to this race. She's going to be my pick, but a horse that I'm really, really interested in as well is going to be the 12 Moira. They wanted an outside draw for her. She got the farthest outside draw. Um, Trainer Kevin Attard sends Lady Spice here in here, breaking from the rail, who I think is going to be in a good position to set a nice pace and kind of, go with an Italian up front. I think that sets it up really well for Moira, who is, you know, 
maturing leaps and bounds and could even be better on turf than she is on synthetic. And she won the queen's plate by double digit lengths. And I think she is one of the best Canadian horses that we have seen in quite some time. Um, she kind of reminds me of a horse similar to perfect Sheryl who won this race a few years ago, kind of a similar look coming in here. Um, her jockey messed up her race last time out against Brugier, but I, I thought Mo- Moira was the best horse to coming out of, come out of that race. I think I'm going to get more than 10 to one on her. I think I'm going to get somewhere um, around 15 to one. So I'm definitely going to play her in the exotics and a little bit to win, but it's, it's going to be Nashua on top for me, but I'm also really, really interested in Moira. At a mile and three sixteenths, that's at the very top of the Keeneland strips. Does this race start a little bit on the turn or does anybody know? I don't, or is it a straight run? Like I'm thinking like Arlington, you know, they run the Arlington million. It's got a, it's just a little bit on the turn. Yeah, I don't know. That was something that I was thinking as well because I mean, Keeneland on the um, the turf really doesn't have a shoot. Right. I was thinking, sure. like, didn't they run this race at nine furlongs back uh, the last time it was here? Maybe instead. I feel of nine like and it's and a at a different distance every year they run it. Yeah. I agree with you that there. Yeah. So I mean, it, it might be a, a disadvantage a little bit for the outside horses, but uh, uh, JJ, let's go to you. What's uh, what's your uh, thoughts on this race? Yeah, I, I think the star of the show definitely appears to be the, the highly regarded Nashua. Uh, definitely, uh, she drew well in post three. And I, I know she just missed last out, but, I mean, what an outstanding resume with, with the two group ones prior to that. Uh, th- this daughter, Frankel, she's so classy. And uh, I do think this this distance, I, I think it's fine for her. I think it's perfect for her. Uh, the, the Europeans are very high on, on Nashua. I mean, if you if you read their media – and their commentators, they really like this horse's chances. So because of that, I, I feel like you, you can't ignore that. They they know that coming in here, she's got a really good shot. I also like a, above the curve, uh, the, the 3-0 daughter of American Pharaoh. She was only beaten by about three-quarters of a length in that same race, the, the Prix de l'Opera. And she has an outstanding pedigree. She's out of a Galileo mare. And I, I think she could be a rising star for Aiden O'Brien. Um, a horse at a slight price that I think could jump up and, and is a good exotics play is, is Tuesday at 8-1. to one. Um, It's important to note she was only beaten two and a half lengths in that race, and I like this distance for her. Uh, she's held her own against some some very classy competition like Alpinista, Emily Upjohn. Um, I, I, I think she could really do well here and, and is, is a horse that you would definitely want to include like in your trifectas and superfectas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of in Italian. I, I love her take it to you uh, front running style, but uh, I, I could see her getting chased down here. I don't think it's a class issue. I just think she's she's coming up against these these European horses who come with her with their rallies, and I, I just don't see her winning here. And if she's at a seven to two, I I don't like those odds for an Italian. So I'm not going to have her in my win spot. I'm not going to have Rougier in my win spot either because I think that uh, Rougier is a step off step off from from where she was last year. So I have Nashua above the curve and, and Tuesday is my, my top pick. Wow. Did you just say in Italian seven to two? Really? That's yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Cause our, our buddy Kevin Kilroy, who had him last week, who was fantastic. Uh, he, it's his play of the day on, on, I think he's single and everywhere is in Italian, but I don't think even he thought seven to two. I didn't think seven to two. I thought this horse would have been a great play at eight to one to potentially go wire to wire. Uh, that's a little hard to swallow there. Yeah, I, I, I think do she's like, the second choice in here. Do you really? It's, yeah, seven, I'm pretty sure. still light. Um, because I do think the horse has a big chance to take him the whole way. Uh, 
I don't like it at that price though. That Nashville is going to be tough. I don't have a strong opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert here, but I do. I will mention Moira just because of the name. Do you guys watch Shit's Creek? That's where the name Moira comes from, right? Do you watch it, Caitlin? I don't. Oh, you know that's where it comes from, right? Do you watch it, CC? No. JJ? No. Okay, well then, if you don't listen to anything else I say all day, which you I, you shouldn't, but you might listen to Shit's Creek's a really good show. Eugene Levy. And the Catherine O'Hara, that's who Moira is named after. So I would suggest that you watch Shit's Creek. And after my day of wagering, it's probably where I'll be is up Shit's Creek, as a matter of fact. So I recommend <laughs> that. Okay. I did pick a winner right there. I picked a winner with Shit's Creek. Here's my hottest take of the day. I hate that show. I've seen two episodes. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the daughter's great. Alexis is great. Watch it, ladies. You'd love it. Well, I want to go back to JJ real quick. I want to try to convince you to like Rougier a little bit. Ugh, I don't like Rougier. Uh, well, I didn't like her either, but she she's coming to hand, I think, because uh, I, there's two videos I want you to watch. Watch her EP Taylor Stakes around the turn. I think Moira, I think uh, bumped her a little bit or came came out in her path and that cost her. That was a hot mess. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. It, it cost it cost Rougier two or three links. I thought, and it didn't phase her. She she re rallied in the lane. Of course, Woodbine's stretch is like eight miles, but she she needed every bit of it. But she did get up and she did beat Moira, and then go watch a video. At, I I know it's on YouTube. That's where I saw it. Uh, Rougier outworked Regal Glory, and uh, I mean it wasn't by much. It was probably like a head, maybe a neck, uh, but. Uh, Rougier would not let Regal Glory buy. And I, I'm thinking maybe this, this mare's coming around. I, she's, she's been disappointing up until that EP Taylor win. And I know she ran at Churchill over the, uh, in August on the Arlington Million, Million Day in the Beverly D. And she didn't race well that day. But I, I have a feeling Chad Brown's put her in this spot when they could probably retire her and send her to the auction. I don't know if she's listed to go in the, in the Keeneland sale or not, but, uh, I, I I like her twelve to one. I'm going to give her a shot. I'm not going to single her, but I think uh, she's she's one of the ones. So, yeah. Caitlin, you like Rougier? Do you like Rougier in this spot? I think that's an interesting take. I mean, it's I a really good take, like... huh? It's a good take, but man, she was disappointing as hell this year. But before that last race, so I'm not sure she beat much in the EP Taylor. Moira had a terrible time of it. Um, was just all over the place. I think Moira could have beat her on the square if both of them had a clean you know, a clean race. But I mean, if I like Mora, I kind of have to like Rougier too. Cause I mean, they both ran huge and were just heads and shoulders above the rest of that field and had just significant trouble. So it was her first start with Lasix, but that she doesn't get Lasix here no, in the EP so. Taylor. And then I guess you can make the case that in that race at church of the Beverly D was an absolute garbage turf course that day and stuff. And no, no, no one had a fair shot, right? Because it was, uh, no. If you were in the if you were in the back, you had no chance. They were spinning their wheels from the back. So I'll give you that. But if if Rougier wins, I will tip my cap to you, sir, as I often do. Well, if if this race were at nine furlongs, I'd be all in on in Italian because we've already seen her win the Diana at that same distance. This extra sixteenth of a mile, I, I don't know. I mean, I I think if she duplicates that race, she she ran it uh, in the in the mile or in the uh, first lady a few weeks ago. I think uh, she's gone here, but. Uh, yeah, the extra sixteenth of a mile worries me a little bit. So let's move on. What's next? Anybody know? Big ass fans, Breeders' <laughs> Cup Dirt Mile. 
We have big ass fans at Toyota. I'll tell you right now, they kick nice. those big ass fans kick ass. Here's a race that uh, has everything to do with uh, post positions. I would think. I mean, I don't think you want to be outside in this race. I know Cyberknife drew to the outside. The seven horse Cody's Wish is going to be your favorite. Uh, he drew okay, I suppose. Five to two for Cody's Wish for Godolphin, Bill Mott, Junior Alvarado, JJ. Let's uh, let's go to you and and you know Cody's Wish is uh, making his two turn debut. It, it seems uh, well, that's not true. He's he's raced at two turns before. He's actually raced two turns twice before. Your analysis of Cody's Wish and uh, and your selections in in the dirt mile. Yeah, I'm I'm going against Cody's Wish here because I'm all about Laurel River. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised actually that Laurel River wasn't the favorite. Um, I. I I, I think they, I think they have Laurel River at nine to two. If my my odds are correct, if I get nine to two on Laurel River, I'll take that. No way you get nine to two on that horse. No way. Yeah, JJ. That th- this horse has been training brilliantly at Santa Anita, and I, I tell you that uh, they really found his forte, and it's been domination ever since. I mean, a mile appears to be his optimal distance. It hits him right between the eyes. Uh, he, he does, you know, he, he can, he's very versatile too. And I, I, I think that he's the, the, the standout here. I, it, it's a slight concern that he hasn't raced out of California, but I, I think with this current form, I, I'm not going to let that, let that worry me or concern me. Um, Cody's wish is interesting after his eye opening win at, uh, over Jackie's Warrior. His speed figures do correlate somewhat with, with Oral River. Uh, he is coming in a bit off a layoff, but he's done that before, and he's he's won off off a similar uh, layoff. So uh, he does have some issues at the gate. Uh, he's been practiced before. Uh, he's he's had some trouble at the gate, and that's something to to watch out for. I just I think personally that I would take Laurel River over Cody's Wish. Um, Cyberknife, I I think he's interesting, but I'm I'm sure the connections would. Would much rather have gone in the classic. Uh, they didn't want to go because of flight nine, which is, which is totally understandable. But you just wonder what are the tactics going to be for for Cyberknife in this race? Because the, the one time he tried to be a pace setter, he got eaten up in, in the Travers, and his, his almost his entire career he's run route race, and so he, he's run longer distances, I should say. So what's he going to? What are their tactics going to be here? Is my question. I think it's, it's sort of this was the lesser of two evils when you're trying to dodge flight line, but is this really an optimal optimal race for, for Cyberknife? I also like a Gunite a little bit here. I know he's making the, the quick turnaround, but a Gunite is very interesting. Being second to Jack Christopher puts him, puts him right in line here. But I, I really, I'm, I'm all about Laurel River in the wind spot. I'm all about Cody's wish in the wind spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably my favorite active horse. I love this horse. And a mile is his game. I know there's an extra 70 yards, but I don't really think that that's going to make that much of a difference. Um, I think this race, you know, kind of pits him between the eyes. The two turns don't really bother me because he's never been worse than third in his career. And, I mean, that was early on, you know, back when he was the main special weight level when he was, you know, three. So this horse, other than a second in his season opener in the Michelob Ultra Challenger Stakes at Tampa Bay, has been perfect. And, I mean, he beat Jackie's Warrior. He's, he's coming off of a huge performance, has had a little bit of a breather. He does have gait issues, and that is something that does worry me. 
But I think this race turned up a little bit light on class aside from Cyberknife, Laurel River, and Gnight, who I, I like Gnight as well. Um, I just really, really like this horse. I think, you know, the training job with him has been phenomenal. The story is great. I, I just, I really want to see him in this race, and I think he is the horse to beat in here. A horse that I really do like at a price as well is going to be Simplification. Um, not quite sure he can get the jump and get the win spot, but he's a horse that at 15 to one, maybe if he goes a little bit higher, I'm very, very interested in, you know, for the exotics. He's just a horse that is very, very consistent. Um, I hope he's had a little bit of enough time to kind of recover off of a pretty, you know, strong campaign earlier, um, in the year after running a big race in the Kentucky Derby, but he's a horse that I'm interested in. I don't really like Cyberknife in this spot. And I wish Senor Buscador drew a little bit better because I think he's interesting too, but from uh post position number 10, I'm, you know, kind of a little bit cold on him, but Cody's wish for me, I think I'm going to swallow the chalk in this spot. Um, I'm with JJ on this one. And I, it's hard for me to pick a bad for the horse. I don't generally do it. I don't really care for the California racing people know, but I go back a couple of years ago, last time this race was at Keeneland, right? And we had a uh, Nick's go, uh, was the favorite in the, in the mile and that horse went 44 and something crazy 44 and 2 108 uh, by all accounts horses stopped just drew off I think it benefits you to be up close to just send and it, and we go back to life is good in the Breeders Cup mile last year 21 and change 45 draws off I think this course is designed the two-turn mile there to be up close and I think they're going to punch the gun from the get-go with Laurel River. He's either going to be – because there's not a ton of speed in this race, right? So either he sends or he's going to sit right off somebody. And he looks – you go back to this Brisnet fig and the – Brian, he, his Brisnet fig, after setting – going 44-3, and three, his late pace fig was a 111 going seven furlongs. This horse should – I expect this horse to open up down the stretch. I think it's hard for me to say that about bad. I think this was the play of the day right here. I don't think you're getting nine to two. I think Cody's wish is a fantastic horse. I think Cyberlife's great. I think you better watch out for Senior Buscador to maybe pick up some tiring horses because we also go back two years ago with uh, with the Brad Nick's go. It was a sixty to one long shot, right? Uh, that passed a bunch of horses to get second. So they, well, I can see Laurel River running horses off their feet. So might pick up the pieces. So getting, I'm solidly on Laurel River here which probably just sent him to the seventh place finish, but you're not getting nine to two on this horse, in my opinion. <laughs> so, uh, Alan says that, uh, Laurel River's going to the lead. I mean, would, would, would you all close? He may punch it just because they think he's the best. If not, he may just sit right off the board. There's not a lot of pace in there. Yeah. The, the pace scenario is kind of murky in here. I was just curious. And I love Gunite, by the way, too. I love Gunite as well, but do y'all think Laurel River goes? I don't know who else is going to. I mean, Cyberknife may be kind of close up. Yeah. Cyberknife is just a great horse without a right distance to run at, right, in this mm-hmm. in, in this Breeders' Cup. He's a fantastic racehorse. But uh, does Laurel River go, J.J.? I think it's a, it's a good possibility. I, I think you're spot on about the, the pace scenario here. I mean, who's going to challenge him? You look down the lane, who, who's going to, who's going to run with him? Pipeline might. Yeah. Okay. Who's on Laurel River? Gerard Ortiz. He's pretty good. <laughs> He'll do. <laughs> He'll be all right. <laughs> Moving right along, turf sprint time. Well, here's a, here's a race. Yeah, you could go. You could go one of many different ways. You could go chalky, pick some pro- 
prices. I, I see a lot of prices in here that I could I could see hitting the board. Uh, I mean, uh, Golden Powell, of course, who won this race last year, he's two to one. Brad Ortiz is riding him as well. Wesley Ward is obviously the trainer. But uh, I know Caitlin. I'm pretty sure you like one of his rivals in here. I'm going to let you take the floor and 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 tell us about who you like in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. I'm very, very much on Highfield Princess. Um, I knew it. <laughs> quite a small task for her to be taking Golden Powell on at his, you know, home track at Keeneland. But she has done everything asked of her. She has just won grade one after grade one after grade one all over Europe. She travels. She takes her track with her. She runs on soft, good, firm, you know, heavy, any of it. She just has just pumped out grade one. She's had a little bit of a breather that she did need. Um, they have had this race circled for her all year, and you could not be coming into a race more prime. I This is, you know, other than seeing Flightline in the Classic, I think this is the race I am most looking forward to on the day. I love the turf sprint. This is one of my favorite Breeders' Cup races. And, I mean, what a treat just to see this caliber of a filly face up against a horse like Golden Powell. I give her the edge in this race, even though, you know, this is Golden Powell's home turf course. I think he probably will outbreak her, but I think, class is going to prevail and I think she could be the better horse especially right now if you reversed it into last year I would maybe have a different opinion but I think you know this is going to be the horse maybe in his career that's really challenged him the most she's so well prepared for this race and I just I really really like her in the spot and the price is going to be right on her um I think they're going to bet the absolute crap out of Golden Powell um I think you'll get every bit of the morning line of seven to two on Highfield Princess. So I'm excited about that. And a couple of horses that I would maybe be interested in throwing in underneath um, would maybe be Caravel. I really liked what she's done uh, this year. She's kind of really turned her form around after I thought maybe they would retire her after last year, arrest me red at 15 to one and maybe go bears go at 30 to one coming in from Europe as well. I, I think this is a super interesting race, but I think, you know, competing for that top spot, it's going to be Golden Powell and Highfield Princess. And I'm going to give Highfield Princess the nod. Uh, one thing about Highfield Princess, she carried 138 pounds winning the Nunport Stakes at York. And then when she won the uh, the grade one flying five at the Cura, carried 129. So she's actually dropping weight. Yeah, this this is a race that, from a wagering standpoint, uh, I'm looking at, you know, trifectas and superfectas because as, as Caitlin was talking about, the, the two top horses, obviously, there's a big chasm between Golden Powell and Highfield Princess and then the rest of the field, it seems like. So if you like Golden Powell or Highfield Princess, but you like these price horses, you could put them underneath. And at least that way, you know, you, you could try, try to make some money out of the race. Uh, yeah, but I agree about Highfield Princess. I think she's a legitimate, uh, a legitimate challenger to Golden Powell. That the Europeans are very high on this horse, and for very good reason. I mean, just an outstanding campaign. There's, there's not much to knock. At. I, I think that Golden Powell. The only way that Golden Powell loses for me, though, is is if he doesn't get that gate break. As we've seen, his gate break is his weapon. It subdues everyone else. They, they just can't, they can't overcome it. If he doesn't get that gate break like we saw in Ascot, if, if there's some kind of hiccup or something, then it's it's game over. So I, I I have Golden Powell as my top pick, but obviously Highfield Princess could easily 
win this race if, if there's a hiccup for Golden Pal. So you go underneath and you're looking at price horses. I mean, you're looking at other Wesley Ward horses. You're looking at a Recipe Red is, a, is an excellent price. Uh, Campanelle might be a good price. And I actually like Go Bears Go at 30 to 1 underneath. So I, I would be looking at playing this race that way because I, I do think those top two are, go- are going to be tough to beat. I, I don't see anybody else coming up and beating those two. These ladies have it, don't they, CC? They got it. Uh, I agree with JJ. That's This is a good race to play vertically because you can get legit, legitimate logical prices underneath. It seems like, it, like JJ said, there's a chasm between the top two and the rest of the field. We know that that doesn't happen all the time, right? But I'm with Caitlin on this one. It's Highfield Princess for me. This horse is amazing to me. As a five-year-old, has had this is his 31st start, her 31st start, and she's just she's hit another gear, right? She at at, at this quote unquote late age, she's getting better and better. She's won at seven furlongs, six furlongs, five and a half, five. Uh, looks like the horse is coming to the race perfect. You can make the. I've been burned by Golden Pal in the past. I got burned by her this in this race last year. But uh, if Highfield Princess transfers her game over here, I'm, I'm all over that one. And the presence of, if you like Highfield Princess, you want Golden Pal in the race because Golden Pal is going to soak up the money, and you're going to get what seven to two on Highfield Princess. Um, and if you want to save, you can go Golden Pal with Highfield Princess with some horses. But they both mentioned the rest of me red, who I think is a very intriguing long shot here too, because that race at Kentucky Downs, she was he was the favorite. And he made a sustained run, couldn't quite get there, but they back up the five and a half. I think arrest me, Reggie, your long shot of the race, but I'm on Highfield Princess. Caitlin, uh, I'm not real familiar with the, the rider of Highfield Princess. I was going to ask that too, yeah. Yeah, Jason Hard. Do you know anything about, about him? I don't know really a lot about him, but aside from maybe bar five or six, he's been on her her entire career, and they've won a bunch of grade ones together. Yeah. So, I mean, they seem to work out just fine and they can go, you know, clockwise or counterclockwise and they haven't thrown him off yet. So yeah. he, he, he does well for these connections. Also, um, take a look at her form and just look at some of the horses she has finished in front of. And it's just like, it's amazing. Um, she really started coming onto my radar last year when she finished close up behind, uh, Space Blues who ended up winning the Breeders' Cup Mile off of that performance and just barely got past um, Highfield Princess. And she's been almost perfect ever since then. So I really like her in this race. <laughs> what, what, what? It seems like 2022 is when she's found her strike. She's had several races uh, prior to this year, right? And mm-hmm. she's, what, what was the magic? What happened? Do you have any idea? I think I mean, really just cutting her back to you know, getting her to the sprint distance. And I don't really know what has really come of it. She's been running at about seven furlongs, seven furlongs, seven furlongs. But I think dropping her down to between six and five is kind of really her sweet spot. Um, She's great at five. She's great at six. She's great at six and a half. I think dropping her under that seven furlongs has really been where she has shined. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to getting beat by Golden Pal at eight to five, as always. But uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Before we finish off the card, I will give out one long shot. I think it's got a shot at uh, hitting the board here, and I wasn't happy with the post draw. Casadero is worth a look at twenty to one, Flavian Pratt. But he drew the thirteen hole. 
Brendan Walsh took over the training on this guy. And the horse had never raced on turf, and he's not really bred for turf. As I, I recall, Wild Gams, his mother raced solely on dirt, I think. I, I, she may have raced on turf. I'm not sure. But uh, And then the Sire Street Sense. But Walsh puts the horse on turf, and he closes to finish third at Saratoga and an optional claimer. Then they ship him to Canada, and he blows the doors off a of bound for nowhere, who's a, a really good sprinter for uh, Wesley Ward in the, in the Arctic States. I, I'm going to go back and watch that race, but I think uh, he, he earned a really big fig in that spot, and I think this horse has a shot to get part of this. So if you like Golden Pal or Highfield Princess, you can stick uh, Casadero maybe in second or third, maybe cash an exacto or trifecta. So Yeah, we didn't even mention Bran or Casa Creed. I mean, it's right. It's a really good race. There's a lot of ways to go here. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's finish it off with the Philly and Mare Sprint, which will be the the first Breeders' Cup race, but it'll be the last race that we cover. Field of 13, so a really good betting race. Uh, number eight, Goodnight Olive at 3-1. to one. I think she won the Ballerina without looking. I think she won the Ballerina in her last start back at Saratoga for Chad Brown and Rad Ortiz. She's three to one on the morning line. That's uh, there's a there's a lot of ways to go in here as well. This daily double is going to pay uh, could pay you outstanding, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of way to go. But but I'll tell you, I I've been following Goodnight Olive and she broke her maiden so impressively. I always felt like she didn't get the respect that she deserved, and she's just now getting getting that respect. Uh, she's five of six with the, with the second in her career. She's versatile. She's fast. Uh, she she moved up from an optional claiming to a grade one, like as you mentioned, and she and she won. Um, there's a, there's a lot about Goodnight Olive to like. I, I'm really all over her in this race. I don't like the fact though that we're we're probably not going to get uh, a very good price on her. So that that that's the big big drawback here. But I like her. There's there's one horse too that that I think is to watch out for. That's a big price is slammed. Uh, fortunately, she drew the rail, so that that negates a lot of a lot of the uh, energy there. But she has looked great training at Keeneland. She's very athletic and and it looks like a quarter horse actually, just extremely muscular. Had a very outstanding work at Keeneland, and she's been overlooked because she's uh, a New Mexico bred. But yeah, drawing drawing the rail uh, didn't help her much there. Um, obligatory is when I'm putting my exotics because she's kind of a a pick up the pieces, pick up the pieces type. I don't like to draw it all for Echo Zulu out in the 13. So I'm, I'm sticking with Goodnight Olive. It, it won't be the best price ever, but, uh, I, I think she stands out there, Ace. Okay. Uh, Caitlin, there's a Japanese filly in here, Chain of Love. I don't know anything about her. I know she ran a big number. I think she either ran at Maidan or somewhere in the, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Buick takes them out here and we know what the Japanese did last year uh first of all your thoughts on chain of love and then uh, then go ahead and analyze the race <laughs> she's got a big chance in here I really like her um she ran either third or fourth I want to say fourth to Switzerland and a few others in the Dubai Golden Shaheen she's beaten up on boys at the sprint distance in Japan um Songline was really the big one they wanted to bring over for the mile but she ended up having a setback but chain of love I'm really excited about the 20 to one morning line on her. I think she's going to get more play than she usually would based off what the Japanese did last year, but she's a legitimate horse in this race that I think is going to get overlooked. Um, this is a race that I'm not quite sure what to do with. Um, I wish Echo Zulu would have drawn a little bit 
better because I really like her in this spot, but um, she wants to go seven furlongs to a mile. So I think the distance kind of hits her right between the eyes, but I also think it hits uh, Goodnight Olive, Obligatory, CC, um, Frank's Rockette, um, and Slammed. So I think this is going to be a potentially, you know, huge, huge race. I don't love the draw for Echo Zulu, but I really liked her race coming into this. She's training super, super well. They thought enough to bring her in here. She's definitely the top sprinting, you know, three-year-old Phillies. So I'm going to give her a shot in the 13 post, but I really do like Chain of Love and Slammed for prices. Yeah, if I were uh, Asmussen and Winslow, I think I would scratch Wicked Halo just to get Echo Zulu one spot in. I don't, I don't think Wicked Halo stands a chance in here. I know she's in good form, but I think she's a cut below some of these. Yeah. But, uh, Alan, uh, you still hush your mouth. Brother? Hush your, yeah, hush your mouth about Wicked Halo. That's a really good horse. It's a pure, <laughs> I've told you this from, for about a year. Wicked Halo is a consummate seven furlong horse. Proved it last time. Do I think he's? Do I think she's up against a little bit here? Yeah, but I would not be surprised if that horse ran well. Uh, both Gunite and Wicked Halo are one and one A to me as far as horses in amazing form right now. That uh, the only problem is it's a deep field, and mm-hmm. I, I I think of all the the, the post position draws. You know, how you wait on a horse, you see what the post position is. The one horse I was most disappointed at getting the post it was slammed. I really like Slam's last race, but she drew the rail here. And, I may still side with her because I was so impressed by the race. Because, man, it was it Drew who was on her last time. That horse broke. He didn't want the lead. It looks in the PPs like the horse has to go. He looked around. Nobody else went, so he said, screw it. I'll just go. Uh, so he can probably rate this horse. I just hate the rail draw, you know, like a lot of people do. But I think you're going to get a price. Um, Caitlin's got me thinking about the Japanese horse. Uh, obligatory, like you said a moment ago, uh, the consummate seven wrong horse. I'm probably going to lead to slam just because I, I don't want this horse beating me after I like, after I've been on it for about a month or her for about a month. But again, this, I think this is one of the more wide open races on the card. I think it's one of the better races on the card. So no strong opinion, but uh, I was disappointed in the, in the rail draw for slammed. 20 to one. Is that fair on chain of, or is that, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little bit generous. Not gonna lie, I think it's a little bit generous. Okay. Yeah, I, I I have no idea. It'd be interesting though. So, okay, all right. So we've covered the entire card, and Whew. now we're gonna get to our uh, our superlatives. Uh, we'll go around the table and ask everybody who is their best bet, who is their best long shot, who is their most vulnerable favorite. But first, I'm gonna ask Alan, can you give me an over under on Brandon Jagger's handle? Oh, Brandon, Brandon Jagger's wagering handle over two days, days, Friday, Friday and Saturday. Is that counting churn? Assuming there is any churn, I mean, just total handle three grand, three grand over, over under three grand. Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over. Oh, okay, I'll take it slightly under. We'll see what he. Th- I don't know. I don't know. The problem he is might... he'll never be honest about it. Yeah, are you listening, Brandon? We want to, we want a running tab. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, let's go to JJ. Uh, best bet, best long shot play, and vulnerable favorite. Okay. Um, the the best bet. I, I won't go safe here because everybody says Flightline and Jackie's Warrior, but I, I'll go with Laurel River because I really really like Laurel River. I think the uh, the a uh, uh, price horse to watch. Watch out for Annapolis. 
And I would say the vulnerable favorite is Cody's Wish. Good enough. Okay, Kayla. Okay. I think the horse that um, I'm looking forward to, you know, betting the most, I think, would be Mistress. And the turf price horse would definitely, I think, would be uh, Chain of Love. And I think the favorite that I think is most vulnerable is uh, – I'm torn. That's actually hard. That's a hard question to answer on this card. I mean, there's not a lot that are just absolutely, hey, I got to beat this one. I'm going to say Golden Pal. Oh, I like it. Oh. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Oh, okay. And I, and I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Sure. Or unless you want to go, CC. I, I, I get to ask the questions. I don't have to answer. Damn it. That's, that's, see, when you hold the microphone like that. Uh, best bet, I will. What? Flight line. No, I'm not going to go flight. I'm, I'm going to pick something that's going to – I'm agree with uh, JJ, Laurel River. Uh, best long shot. Man, I, I know I picked a couple, but I can't, I can't remember who they are off the top of my head. Um, the horse, I'm going to – the favorite, most vulnerable favorite, I'm going to go into completely against the rain of everybody else. I'm going to go Jackie's Warrior. I know it's probably going to bite me in the ass, but if I'm going to go against a favorite, I'm going to go against a heavy favorite. And long shot – I don't know if I, I really can't call Regal Glory a long shot. Um, you go ahead and come back to me on that one. Oh, I have to answer the question? Yeah, you have yeah. to answer the question too, damn it. Oh, I, wish I, had, <laughs> I wish I'd have prepared for this. I, I, yeah, flight line's the best bet, and uh, best long shot would be uh, I'm going to take uh, the, the – uh, I'm going to take Rougier in the Philly Mare's turf, and a vulnerable favorite is that's, – uh, that's a hard question to answer. I would probably – I think – was a lot of good favorites this year. And I, I don't know if I, I can answer that question. Good night, Olive, maybe, but, you know, like J.J. likes that one, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I give up. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll say arrest me red. Okay. Mainly because I can't think of anybody else at the moment. I know I picked some. It's tough. It's a tough card, I think. I think it gets better at the end. I think uh, it's it's going to be a little more formful. But you know, the last two years, we've had uh, crazy long shots crash at least one of the the late pick four races. Uh, last year it was uh, Mark Rain winning the distaff. I, I had, I would have never, if I'd have ranked those fillies one through twelve, I'd have had her thirteenth. And then, and then uh, the year before, uh, Order of Australia won at seventy to one, and that horse had no business in the race in the uh, the turf mile. She's back again this. He's back again this year. Yeah, yeah. In better form. In better That's form. True. Coming off a good race. Coming off a good race at Keeneland, right? I didn't mm. give that horse a look in 2020. I did not. I, I had that horse singled on the undercard in the race, in the uh, one of those undercard uh, races on the Friday card, and the horse uh, scratched, and I didn't even, I didn't even look at it. I did, he he just had no, no chance, and he wins at 70 to 1. So, shows what I know. Okay, anything else anybody wants to declare? before we sign off for the evening. I uh, can't thank the ladies enough. People look forward to these two being on. I don't think they realize that, but they actually really do because uh, you guys provide a little bit better insight than a lot of people on all these podcasts and stuff do. And it comes across and people tell us that. So thank you so much for joining us again, spending your Halloween evening with us. Yes. We're so grateful that you joined us. It's, yeah. You just don't know how, how much I look forward to uh, sharing these, uh, these, pods with you guys you guys are great oh thank you so much 
We really you appreciate being on. You guys are the best. Thank I you know that. so much. All right. So that concludes part two of our 2022 Keeneland Breeders' Cup seminar. On behalf of Alan Schneider and Caitlin Free and J.J. Heisel, I'm C.C. Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. Good night.